Learning objective two, we're going to outline the IRS audit process, how returns are selected, the different types of audits, and what happens after the audit. In a land of 135 million taxpayers, the IRS does not have the resources to audit every return. So there are techniques for identifying returns with understated tax liability. The IRS uses a number of computer programs and outside data sources for the identification of returns with that understated liability. Common computer initiatives include the DIF system, the Discriminate Income Function System, the Document Perfection Program, and the Information Matching Program. Once the returns have been identified, there are three levels of audits, correspondence, office, and field examination. Now, correspondence audits are the most common, and they're going to focus on no more than two items. Compare that with office examinations, which are the next most common, and they tend to be more comprehensive. And then the third is the rarest and most painful, a field examination, because it's going to last months, and you're going to have a new friend. You're going to have the IRS at your place of business or where you keep your records. And individuals with complex tax returns are also at greater risk of this more probing field examination audit. And if the prospect of the IRS employing data mining to audit taxpayers is insufficient motivation to file an accurate return, I submit this. Your next door neighbor has a financial incentive to turn you in. Whistleblowers can be paid between 15 to 30 percent of the taxes, interest, and penalties collected. Truly, honesty will be the best policy. Let's tie this objective together with a few questions. Question 53 in the textbook asks us to identify the IRS selection method for Campbell. The failure by Campbell to report interest income was the result of information matching of what Campbell reported or didn't report to what other taxpayers like financial institutions did report to the IRS about Campbell. Wages, interest, and dividend income are among the most easily matched items. Question 54 is asking us to explain to taxpayer Yong how the IRS selected his return for scrutiny. Yong had incorrectly calculated the tax liability and the document perfection program caught his mathematical and tax calculation errors. And then question 55 provides an example of the operation of the discriminant income function technique. Our taxpayer had a disproportionately high number of deductions relative to income, so now the IRS is going to pay a visit and try to sort it all out. It should not be surprising there are going to be reasonable differences between the Internal Revenue Service and the taxpayer about the correct nature of the tax owed. After an audit, the IRS will send the taxpayer a 30-day letter, which provides the taxpayer the opportunity to pay the proposed assessment or request an appeals conference. If agreement is not reached at the appeals level, or the taxpayer does not pay the proposed assessment, the IRS will send you a 90-day letter. So let the tax litigation begin. We're now 
in the process of managing the litigation process. At this time, you have the opportunity to pay the tax or petition the U.S. tax court to hear the case. If the taxpayer decides to pay the tax, you may request a refund and file a suit for refund in either the U.S. District Court or the U.S. Court of Federal Claims. The selection of where to litigate centers on two issues. The first, do I want or am I able to pay the contested tax liability? If not, the tax court is your only form to avoid prepaying the tax. The other venues, such as the appropriate U.S. District Court or the U.S. Court of Federal Claims, mandate payment of the tax, and a lawsuit would have to be brought to get a refund. The other big issue is, who do I wish to be the trier of the facts of the case? Do I want a jury of my peers? If so, the U.S. District Court is your sole option. For the U.S. Tax Court and the U.S. Court of Federal Claims, the judge is the trier of both fact and the determiner of the governing law of the case. The litigation process can continue if the losing party wishes to appeal. Now, in the appeal of a trial court decision, the appealing party in a U.S. Court of Federal Claims case appeals to the U.S. Circuit Court of Appeals for the Federal Circuit. The appealing party in either a U.S. Tax Court case or a U.S. District Court case appeals to the U.S. Circuit Court of Appeals having jurisdiction. And the litigation could continue. It's possible for the appeal of an appellate court decision. Parties losing on appeal, of course, may appeal to the U.S. Supreme Court, which only hears about 160 cases annually, and usually fewer than a handful of tax cases. The rare times the Supreme Court does hear a case, it's going to arise from a lack of uniformity among the federal circuits on a tax issue, or the tax case is one of significance impacting a broad cross-section of taxpayers. This concludes our second learning objective.